the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 215 for July 11th, 2010. AT&T explains their slow upload speeds, Google says no to a sequel, and the government's getting into apps. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, more information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iOS, available now in the iTunes store for $1.99. First this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about two different things. First off, I did a review this week of a new piece of software. This is the iHound software. I talked about it earlier in the year with a version that I used with the iPhone 3GS. They've since updated the application to the iOS 4, and uh, it's pretty cool. The way that this works is if you're familiar with the me.com find my iPhone feature where you can log in and see where your phone is at any time, uh, this is essentially what this is, but it's a standalone feature and you can get it uh, for a subscription fee of uh, $20 uh, for two years, $10 for one year, uh, 6 bucks for six months, and 4 bucks for three months. So you can choose on how long you want to get it. The app itself uh, is something that now runs in the background with the iOS 4, which is a very nice feature. It checks in with the iHound servers every 10 minutes and then sits in an idle state to help conserve power. Every 10 minutes, it picks up your location and posts it on a little map. In the review, I put a little map up showing how exactly um, uh, it, it reports where you are. And it's kind of funny because I was in my house for a number of hours yesterday and every 10 minutes, it would put a little mark on the map and it shows mostly right in the middle of my house. Of course, sometimes it picks up an errant signal and showed me like in the backyard or something like that. But overall, it worked pretty well. Um, Also, if you determine that your phone is missing, all you have to do is go to the iHound website, turn on uh, the full on tracking feature, and then it starts tracking your device constantly. And it does this all in the background. The only way that you would know that this is actually happening is if you're familiar with the iOS software and see the little triangle at the top right hand corner of the screen showing that the location services are on. But that could mean a number of different things. It doesn't necessarily mean it's this particular software. So then it starts tracking it right in the background and you can see it on a map in real time where your device is. Um, If someone turns your phone off and you click the uh, track, uh, my full on tracking feature on, it will then launch the service immediately once the phone has been turned back on. Um, There's also some great features that were included in the previous version uh, for the iPhone 3GS, including the ability to send an alert to the device, which then puts a, a push notification on the screen. And then you can slide it open and go in and um, it'll launch the uh, application, and you can give the person instructions, you know, call me, email me, do whatever, stuff like that. Um, there's also a new security dashboard for the service as well, which uh, gives a, a nice interface, and I include that in the review as well. So overall, a real nice update to the software itself. If you're someone who cares about making sure you know where your phone is at all times, for this amount of money, you know, we're talking about 10, 11 bucks a year to use this service. It's a pretty cheap way of doing it. You don't have to sign up for the $100 mobile me service, which gives you maybe some other features that you didn't didn't think about using. And this is one of my biggest things with that is, you know, me.com is great if it's something that you're using for your push contacts and calendar and email and stuff like that. But I'm a Gmail person. I didn't need it. This was the only feature, the Find My iPhone, that I really cared about. And iHound has really taken, you know, taken it to a level that I need it for. So definitely something that I'll be spending my money on in the future. Well, it's a very uh, reasonable price, Mickey. I, I think this kind of technology is this really, really neat. I mean, it, it really goes to show how advanced the smartphones are. I mean, that you can do this kind of thing in the background, have the map and have the, you know, find location. I just, 
it's really, really neat technology. If you're not an iPhone user, this works on Blackberries as well. Uh, Blackberries uh, obviously have been able to run applications in the background for quite a while here. So uh, this is something that if you're a Blackberry user, you can check out as well. I'm, th- I'm sure they have plans for Android. I haven't heard uh, what those are. Uh, we'll see what happens when they come out. And if they do, we'll make sure to announce it here on the show. One other piece of Apple news. I have an iPhone 4. I talked about that. I've had it now for what we're going on about three weeks here. I've got to make a decision very, very soon if I'm going to keep this thing or not, or if I'm going to return it. And one of the biggest issues, of course, that has faced this phone up until now has been making the device work when you're holding it, I'll say normally, holding it in your left hand, working on it with your right fingers, and uh, having your palm of your left hand resting on the bottom left corner of this device, causing the signal to drop. If you put a case on the device, you don't have this issue. And uh, one of the things that I really wanted to see was what happened if I had a normal case for it. I'd been using a case that I had from the original iPhone put on this thing, but it wasn't optimal. Uh, The buttons didn't line up properly. The camera was covered. Half of it was covered by this. Uh, The uh, secondary microphone on the top of it wasn't accessible. So there were a lot of things that went into the reasons why I didn't really feel like continuing to use that case. So I went to the Apple store this week and walked in and started talking to one of the associates there. And I said, you know, here's the issue. I'm seeing this problem, blah, blah, blah. I said, I I really think that a bumper is something that should be given to anybody that's having this problem. And very nice people there. But at the end of the day, they said, unfortunately, this is, it's not an issue. Uh, AT&T is coming out with an update here that should solve this right now. But if you look, uh, if you would like to buy a case, we do have Apple bumpers right now. You can purchase one for $30. And, you know, I asked the question again, okay, is there any way, you know, that I can get one of these? I'm definitely seeing this as a problem. And they said no. So I spent 30 bucks and I got a bumper. Now, the bumper itself is actually a pretty nice case as far as what I want out of a case for a device. And that's something that if I drop this device, it's going to protect the corners of it. Um, If I want to set it down on a flat surface, it's not going to scratch the back of it. Um, It exposes uh, the entire back of it, which I think is nice because I like to look at it. Um, It also has put some some interesting features on what I thought, what what I didn't think was going to come with this, including metal buttons for the volume rocker and also a metal button for the power button. So if you have an iPhone 4 and you look at at your power button and your two volume buttons, you'll notice that they're you know in aluminum and they've got uh, the plus and minus on the volume buttons and whatnot. They've actually incorporated those into the case. So this is not just a piece of rubber like a Livestrong bracelet that you're wrapping around your device. It has cutouts for uh, the microphone port um, and the speaker on the bottom as well as the 30-pin dock connector. It also has a headset port on the top of it, as well as a very precise hole drilled for the secondary microphone on the top. So all of those, I would say, make it a case that's worth some money, maybe not $30, but I do think it's worth some money. Now, is that is that a rubber case or is that plastic clamshell? How does it attach to the phone? I can't quite tell. Yeah, it's it's a little hard to tell um, when you when you first get it. It is. It's basically a it's a rubber and plastic piece so the rubber on the inside rubber around the corners okay um, i'm trying to show this to joey on a yep. camera here but you can see it's a little bit shiny yep. uh, right in the middle that's all plastic it, it's it's a harder plastic shell um that's wrapped ar- with rubber around the sides of it um it's and it's 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 pretty rigid that's one of the nice things about the plastic is it makes it rigid it's not incredibly easy to get on and off um when I say incredibly easy, I mean like you're not going to put it in your pocket and this thing is going to slide off of it. I mean, you can you know pull on it and pull it right off. But overall, it's um, I, I think it's it's a 
the, the optimal thing for what I wanted with this because I, I'm not a huge fan of cases. I like a minimalist design, and I've never been a, a big fan of some of the more bulky ones. Um, you know, granted, I, I've used invisible skins and, and whatnot in the past, and I like those because it shows off the device, and, and that's just something personal preference for me. That's right. And, and you know, Mickey, that uh, case right there, you've got, uh, yes, you have the protection from dinging up the sides on it. And it that's, you know, for 30 bucks, that's not too bad considering the the advanced design of that case with those extra buttons on there. But, you know, of course, the major benefit is, is now it's insulating your metal antennas, mm-hmm. which, of course, that's a uh, uh, really helps your reception issues. Yeah, which, again, I think should be reason for them to give this to everybody. Now, that leads me into my next part of this story. So as soon as I bought this thing, I'm, I'm the worst person, I think, out there for buyer's remorse. I buy a cheeseburger and I've got buyer's remorse. I, I just, for whatever reason, I don't like spending money. I, I anyway, bought this thing, immediately felt bad about it, got back. It, well, one of the nice things about Apple stores is when you buy them, you immediately get your receipt emailed to you. So I had the receipt um, there on my phone, basically, as I was walking out of the store. And uh, I was flipping through the email and I saw that there was a survey at the bottom of it that I could take. So um, I got back to a computer, popped on, and uh, started to take the survey. And as it started to ask me the questions about my satisfaction and whatnot, I said, you know what? They really need to know how I feel about this, that as, as much as I love Apple products and as great as the people were at the store, I don't think I should have had to pay for this. You should not have had to pay for this. This has got a, it has a design flaw. They forgot to put the insulative, uh, you know, clear lacquer coating over that metal antenna to insulate it from your fingers, grounding the thing out and shorting the two antennas together. It's a complete design flaw and they sh- you should not be the one paying to fix it. Yeah. That was essentially my point, that this, was, this is something that you guys should be giving to the customer. And at the end, it says, would you like to talk to somebody? And I said, yeah, absolutely, I would. So within 24 hours, which I thought was real great, I got a call back from the store, which I bought the accessory, and they, they you know, asked me some questions, and, and I kind of told them you know, flat out, I think this is ridiculous. And again, I asked, I said, is there any way... Um, I can get a credit for this. Can I get a free one? You know, this this is a problem. It, the phone does not work properly unless you are within, I mean, yards or hundreds of yards of a tower. It just, you go inside a building, even if you're close by. I've got an AT&T tower very close to my house here. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm within probably a quarter mile of a tower, which is, which is really close for a residential area. So I've got full service. I've always had full service with AT&T. Usually my, my, uh, my, my signal strength is about negative 80 dBm, which is very, very good. And uh, overall, it's, it's been fine. But when I hold the iPhone you know, without a case on it, the signal drops way down, and, and that's just not acceptable. Bottom line, though, unfortunately, they, they said, no, we can't do that right now. That's not within you know, the, the, the things that we're allowed to do. And so, yeah. You can't, you know, again, they said, though, AT&T is coming out with a software update. Hopefully this will address it. And I said, come on, you know, all this is going to do is it's going to change the way that the service is reporting, you know, in the bars on the device. That's not going to change the reason, the, the fact that I can't hold the phone in my left hand and use it. So still undecided as far as what I'm going to do with it. Like I said, I have about another week left here, 10 days, whatever it is, before I have to make a, a, a final decision on it. Um, and I think I should be able to do it by then. Overall, though, with the bumper on it, this, the performance is um, very good. I'll just say that. It's very good. Yeah, because you're no longer shorting the antennas out. Um, of, of course, there's been some other AT&T issues, but now that you've kind of taken care of the, um, you know, the physical issue that you've got with the phone, you know, the, you know of course, my argument for returning it is that Apple may in fact fix this and may, they, they may already be fixing it by, you know, insulating those the antennas. 
but there's nothing saying they're going to go back and, and repair or, or help anybody who has already purchased the iPhone with this coding or make the change. They, they, they've got no obligation to do that. And they may not even, um, you know, even in the future, they may just say, well, uh, you're going to have to deal with it. You kept it past the 30 days, so you must not have thought it was that bad. So just, you know, it's one of those things that's, it's buyer beware with in this case. Don't, don't assume Apple is going to go back and fix it for you. If in fact they do, uh, declare that it is their issue. And in the future they start, you know, producing iPhone fours that are insulated for the, the metal part. They just may not go back and, and help the existing customers. Maybe I should have waited. Maybe I shouldn't have bought this right away. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a good thing to sit back and, and to see how, uh, the devices are being, um, enjoyed by the users. Like for the, the Blackberry bold Mickey, I waited till, uh, you had it until the software update was published. The first one, um, which made a huge difference in it and, you know, browse the Crackberry forums, for example, to see how other users uh, were enjoying the phone and, and what their experiences were like before I did buy the phone. Yeah. And that's a great way to go. Listen to people like us who are the, we'll just say the, not the early adopters, but like the extreme enthusiast that goes out and buys it immediately and talks about it and uses it. And, uh, you know, you'll get, you'll get to hear some of the good, you know, positives and negatives about it. And, and uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Anyway, no more iPhone stuff until uh, we get to that section there. Cause yeah, I do want to talk about what AT&T has had happen here. Anyway, HTC this week posted posted its second quarter numbers showing a 33% increase uh, in the quarter ending June 30th. Profits came in at $268 million. Sales were up 58%. Those both beat the estimates of analysts and company guidance. Current projections now have HTC shipping 20 million units in 2010, up from the 12 million they shipped in 2009. Big, big numbers from HTC. I think that uh, the, the 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 partnerships that they've acquired here with both Sprint and Verizon have really helped them here on the state side. And of course, they've created some great devices that have been popular worldwide as well. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. HTC is really sticking with it. I'm I'm really impressed with their uh, their ability. I mean, they're the ones who really brought us the smartphone here in the U.S. They were the leaders in the Windows Mobile arena, and they, that's all they sold. And they've just slowly been building up and and you know increasing their awareness. And of course, with Android out now, they've got that whole portfolio of, of phones, which which really really is probably great timing for them. Imagine if you were in the HTC management thinking Windows Mobile is going down in flames here. They've done nothing to improve it over all these years since they since HTC really started pushing. Them. And then all of a sudden, here comes the the awesome Android for free um, coming towards them, and uh, they're probably so ecstatic that that is available because now look what they can do with their business and, and sell even more handsets. I think HTC has done you know probably some of the best Android devices that are out there. Some people like their Motorola Droids, and that's fine. Um, you know, the Droid X will be coming out here just this week. It actually is supposedly shipping, although people have already started to receive them. But HTC really has uh, has done a good job of of diversifying themselves. And of course, with the Windows Mobile transition over to uh, Android has, has, I think, going to make them move into the future uh, in a positive way. Obviously, having, you know, 8 million more devices shipped this year than in 20, 2009 and 2010 is, uh, is, a, is a big, big jump for them. Well, and they're going to have to also, you know, be aware that there is a lot more competition coming too, because because you know manufacturers 
can get Android for free. So they're, everybody's going to kind of start, you know, dipping their hands into it. But of course, now they have just the absolute established. I mean, they are the smartphone maker. I mean, and it's nobody can argue with that either. And uh, of course, later this year, uh, they're going to have the Windows uh, 7 phone phones coming out. So whatever they're calling it this week. Windows Phone 7 series. Yeah, I think they dropped seven. the series part. Yeah, they dropped I think. the series. I know. Yeah, it just it was. Just I think a... they did, but they could have added it back on. We we don't know. <laughs> right. Speaking of Android, Comscore releasing their latest smartphone numbers for the three month period ending May 2010, showing Android still continuing to grow as all other OSs are falling. So for that three month period, the total number of smartphone subscribers breaks down like this. RIM has uh, 41.7%. That's a 0.4% drop over uh, the February 2010 quarter. Apple has uh, 24.4%. That's a 1% drop, interestingly, over the 24 or 25.4%. Microsoft went from 15.1% to 13.2%, and they are a 2% drop. Google jumped from 9% to 13%, and Palm dropped 0.6% down to 4.8% of the total smartphone market. Now, the top mobile OEMs that are out there, uh, we just talked about HTC. They actually don't rank in the top five. Number one is at 22.4% Samsung. They've got the majority of the smartphones out there. LG, number two, at 21.5%. Motorola, number three, at 21.2%. RIM, at number four, at 8.7%. And Nokia, at number five, at 8.1%. And uh, most of those, Samsung actually grew a little bit. They grew by 1%. RIM grew by 0.5%. But the total percent of smartphone subscribers uh, on RIM's software has actually dropped. So some interesting numbers there uh, showing definitely that Android is taking off. Yeah, and I guess I'm wrong about uh, HTC being the smartphone maker. But I think in the U.S. here, really, they pretty much are. I mean, pretty much anybody who has a smartphone other than a BlackBerry, is it's it's nearly uh, always an HTC. It says uh, 50 million people in the U.S. now own smartphones. It's an 8.1% increase from February. So definitely people buying buying uh, Google devices, that's for sure. It seems that uh, you know RIM has actually dropped a lot of customers, or it seems like they have, but it's really only been about 0.4%. So it's not that everybody's leaving BlackBerry and moving over to Android. It's, 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 just, new, it's just new smartphone users getting into Android. Yeah, exactly. More people you know, didn't want to use the Razer decided to upgrade to something, and decided to go with Android instead of BlackBerry. So there you go. Gizmodo posted information this week confirming what we already knew, that the imminent software update for the iPhone 4 would not fix any transmission or reception issues for the device. From three separate calls, Gizmodo was given the same answer from the AppleCare rep. First off, there is an antenna interference problem when you hold the iPhone 4 in a certain way. One solution is to hold the phone differently, avoiding touching the bottom left corner of the phone. The other solution was to buy a case or one of Apple's $30 bumpers. And then the incoming software update will not fix the antenna problem, only change the way in which the phone displays the available signal, making it more accurate. Again, we already knew this, but Gizmodo said three different people that they talked to at AppleCare told them this. So there you go. NTT Docomo, the largest Japanese provider of mobile phone service, said that beginning in April of next year, all devices would be sold without the carrier lock, meaning any SIM from a competing carrier would function without any unlocking of the device sold by the company. The move comes after the Japanese government asked for more openness in the wireless industry. 
American Eagle announcing a back-to-school promotion this week that will give everyone who tries on a pair of jeans a free smartphone. Once a customer has tried on and leaves the fitting room, they'll receive a card with instructions on how to select a carrier and choose their free phone with a two-year contract. The phones available as part of a deal are not listed, but they're said to include both BlackBerry and Android running devices. American Eagle has said that it will give customers a $25 gift card with every phone order as well. The promotion starts on the 21st of July and runs through August 3rd. I don't know, Joey, would you pick up a free smartphone just by trying on a pair of jeans? What do you think? I'm not sure. That's a very bizarre promotion, Mickey. I don't quite see how they go together, but hey, maybe it's a good deal. Well, you you buy a phone because you put it in your jean pocket, right? So you're... Do the the jeans have a special cell phone pocket? Now, that's the real question. Yeah, I don't think they do. Oh, anyway... Clearwire wanted to build a 125-foot wireless tower in a Minneapolis suburb, and opposition to the plan forced them to withdraw the application. The structure in Willward Park in Apple Valley had been part of the network of towers to provide citywide service, but it will now not be installed uh, in that location, said spokesperson Christopher Combs. The news that the company was throwing in the towel was met with great jubilation for those who live near Wildwood Park. And uh, the plans to build the tower in the park appear to be dead. Clearwire has yet to or said that they will be greenlighting another project with two of the four structures under consideration. Clearwire will build a 90-foot tower at Hayes Park, which would replace an existing light pole near a skating rink and another in a parking lot near Christ Church of, or on Johnny Cage Road. Now, this story, very uh, localized, very specific to this particular area. Joey, of course, lives in the Minneapolis uh, area, but it, was, it just brought up something here uh, pretty interesting, and that's that it's really not all that easy to get wireless towers uh, installed. No, you know, Mickey, actually, this area is only a few miles from me. So this is actually very, very close to me. Um, so it, 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 it is a, it's an example of what uh, wireless carriers have to fight all over the country all the time. It's not easy for them to, to provide service uh, to us for our cell phones. There are a lot, of, um, a, a lot of groups against cell phones. There's a lot of the not-in-my-backyard organizations there's a lot of concern about the radiation that the towers put out and all these things are valid because you don't want to look at a gigantic tower or you don't want to look at a strange structure or or things like that Um, i mean mostly the the easiest thing that they have are the water towers to put uh, towers up on uh, or radios i suppose would be a better way to to describe that and you know it it just really varies you know based on the geography of the area the buildings available the you know there's lots and lots of factors that go into it but regardless every single tower they put up they have to pay lots of rent on they pay lots of lease fees they have to pay lots in service and they pay a lot in in um you know doing the filings and the permits and all the applications and it's it's a multi-million dollar uh, endeavor just to put one tower up. So it, you know this is just an example of what they have to go through to actually provide to provide service. So it 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 isn't always easy for them to do it. And this particular area, like you said, is very close to your house. Now I'm sure you would have been you know ecstatic to see this because I know you've been very interested in the WiMAX services and, and potentially seeing it in your area. Though it does sound like that they are going to get another couple towers up in the area, so hopefully they'll be able to find alternative locations to provide uh, blanket coverage for there. Yeah, exactly. And of course, this is one more um, story about the impending WiMAX in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. I've actually seen a few of these uh, stories about getting uh, uh, WiMAX towers getting clearance uh, for to be put up in this uh, southern metro area. So we have WiMAX coming, Mickey. 
It's coming. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's great news there. Uh, Minneapolis, one of the areas that is not yet covered by uh, Clear, and uh, so this will be coming very soon, which will be good news for those that are looking to get uh, one of the new 4G devices that Sprint has out. We talked at the top of the show about AT&T possibly slowing down upload speeds. There were many blogs this week reporting sluggish upload speeds with their new iPhone 4s. The speeds have been an issue uh, since uh, about the 3rd of July. That was uh, what I noticed with it. I've been constantly doing speed tests here and have found that it really happened sometime around 3 p.m., excuse me, the 2nd of July. 3 p.m. on Friday, July 2nd was when my speeds really took a dump and uh, no idea why that had happened until this week when AT&T came out and said that the inquiries about the sluggish upload speeds were as a result of a software defect in Alcatel Lucent's equipment. They said it's only affecting portions of the customer base, which appeared to be in specific cities, which of course included the cities uh, that I was uh, in this week as I was traveling, including parts of Denver, Northern Colorado, and the Phoenix area. And they said that it's only about 2% of the customer base that they have. Now, I kind of thought about that and I said, okay, well, I looked at the number of cities that they had, which were pretty major ones, and thought, Well, that's actually affecting probably more like 25% of the customer base. Here's what's going on. The 2% of the people that are being affected are those that are using laptop connect cards or smartphone customers that have the 3G HSUPA compatible devices in markets that use Alcatel Lucent equipment. That 2% of the customer base is uh, handset users that have the iPhone 4 or like, as, like they were mentioning here, the laptop connect cards that have that HSUPA capability in them. The 90 million or so customers that AT&T has, uh, many of which, or most of which, I guess, are on 3G devices right now, are not affected unless you've got that HSUPA capability built into the device. The iPhone 4 is a pretty uh, high-end, I'll just say high on the radar of most people's device, and that's why this has got so much coverage. It's not that all people are seeing a slowdown in their speeds. It's just those that are using these HSUPA capable devices. Yeah. And uh, are there any other AT&T HSUPA devices? I mean, maybe one or two others, maybe for, for handsets at least. Uh, if there are, there's not many. Um, this was something obviously that, that, you know, they're pushing out this service here over, you know, many cities here and Alcatel Lucent is the provider of the equipment in many of those cities and some of the bigger ones that are out there. But I don't, don't think, that there are any other ones right now. They have really focused on the laptop connect cards. Yeah, and I, I, I thought I read a story where they said the iPhone 4 was the only one, but yeah. I am, I'm just, uh, I'm not entirely sure. But of course, if you're a laptop user, this would be probably pretty, pretty terrible. I don't even know what I would do if it was if I had to do this deal with this on the laptop. It's it seems like this should be something that would give a credit to users because it's it's pretty bad. I mean, we're talking about speeds that max out at like 80 kilobits per second and that's uh, you know, your very best use scenario. It's fine for web browsing, of course, sure. and downloading files, but if you're a, a you know, a laptop user that's actually sending files up, um, you know, sending larger emails, sending pictures up, this would be uh, this would slow you down drastically. It's on the upload side. The download side is has been affected as well, it seems. I was getting about 2.5 megs in areas that I was testing this out with two weeks ago, and then this past week, I'm down to about one meg per second. 
Here's the the other issue that comes along with this, though, is that the latency is dramatically slowed down as well because the upload side, the time for the request to be sent out, is now slower. So then the the response back is now up to about 500 milliseconds, where I was at about uh, you know 200 to 300 milliseconds before, which is only you know two tenths of a second. Doesn't seem like a lot, but over the course of browsing a lot of pages, Joey, that is that's a lot of time to wait, and it, it it's really starting to wear on me. Yeah, that is a long time. So hopefully they'll get this problem fixed up soon. They they obviously mismanaged some sort of software update here. Uh, didn't bother to test it ahead of time. They say they're doing something. I don't know what that something is, if they're going to fix it on their side or what it is, because no one else is affected by this. You iPhone 3GS customers, 3G customers, any other smartphone, you're not seeing this issue right now. But boy, let me tell you, it's annoying to not be able to. I was trying to upload pictures this week. Yeah, worthless. Just not even, not even functioning. Got to find Wi-Fi to make it work. So tethered to my uh, Sprint Trio Pro. How do you like that, AT&T? There you go. Engadget ran a story this week about an AT&T customer supposedly receiving a free AT&T microcell. Customer Jason says he received a letter from the executive director of customer relationship management named Dana Cogswell. The letter told him to head to his nearest AT&T store with the address listed, and they would provide him with a free AT&T 3G microcell as a special gift. Jason told Engadget that he pays around $180 per month and that his contract is about ready to expire. AT&T has yet to respond to the information posted, but in the contact or but the contact on the letter, Mr. Cogswell is listed in many online social networking sites as an AT&T employee. I was kind of looking around and it does appear that he does this gentleman does work for AT&T. Doesn't mean that this person necessarily sent the letter, though I've received letters from AT&T in the past, and it looks very similar to the form letters that they send out. So it does appear legit. I don't know what exactly the reasoning is for this. He said, Jason, that is, said that he hadn't complained all that much. He hadn't had an exceptional number of drop calls at his house, and so he wasn't really sure what this was all about. Uh, We'll see if we can get to the bottom of this one, though, but don't be surprised if uh, maybe they're deciding to really, you know, keep people uh, using their network. Well, yeah, and I don't really imagine them sending out lots of free ones because they're not really cheap devices, that's for sure. I mean, they're, they they do cost a chunk of change. And are these 3G yet, Mickey? I don't yes, remember. They okay, are good. 3G. That makes a big difference now, obviously, for a lot of the smartphone users. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great if, you know, I, I look at this kind of on two hands. One One hand, it's great that... You can use it on 3G and you can you don't have to switch your settings in your device, you know, to to take advantage of 3G or calling over 3G. But then at the same time, you're also likely having a Wi-Fi service in your house if you're someone who's buying a microcell device. So you don't necessarily need it for the data side of it, but it is nice that it, it takes advantage of throwing the voice over it. Yeah, and we talked about this uh, I think a lot more at length at an unlock show just recently, Mickey. Indeed we did. Yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons uh, to go out and get yourself a, a femtocell type device like the microcell. And of course, so you can listen to more of it on the Unlock Show. AT&T also this week getting some new customers, 1.5 million to be exact. The Consumerist posted a story about a customer that says he's being forced to go to AT&T. The story goes like this. Around two months ago, we switched from Altel to Verizon after our contract ran out, and we figured we should just go ahead and get Verizon because of the eventual switch anyway. So I recently went to do a little online shopping for accessories for my wife's cell phone and went to log into our account. 
Once I did, a pop-up told me that my service was being switched over to AT&T. Looking at the ever-so-helpful FAQ section, I noticed that I was being forced to honor my contract that I signed with Verizon with approximately another 1.5 million people like me being forced to do the same thing. So all that brings to my, brings me to my question. Is there any way I can get out of this? I despise AT&T with just about every section of my being and would rather go back to Altel if I could. So 1.5 million people residing in 17 different states, mostly west of the Mississippi, are being forced to make the switch from Altel over to AT&T because of the acquisition of uh, Altel by Verizon. AT&T says that they'll be providing phones at no cost to all these people that are being forced to switch over and that their service will remain the same for their uh, their area as soon as AT&T makes the switch over on the towers that they own in the area. This one is just riddled with all sorts of different questions as in why would someone be forced to do this? Well, with a uh, an acquisition like this, you get into certain you know topics of monopolies and having a, a one company essentially managing all of the wireless service in the area and not giving other options uh, for people. But we're talking about pretty big swaths of states like North Dakota, South Dakota. 100% of the state is being covered uh, by both Altel and Verizon. And so it looks like 100% of the people that were on Altel are being switched over. Now, granted, that's only, you know, couple hundred thousand people but i don't know that's that's a that's a kind of a a bad thing and then number one to have this switch made on you and then number two being forced to do so because you've got a contract with them that that's bad news yeah it really is mickey it's you know unfortunately that's kind of the what what happens is if you're a customer of a company and they sell your um you know they sell your account you're kind of stuck with it same thing happens if you have a mortgage uh your mortgage gets sold sold off to different companies all the time then you have to then you're really stuck because then you're you're stuck with a company that uh could be not so good there's a lot of mortgage companies that you know send out your bill within days of it being due um they don't bother to answer their phone i mean it could even be worse than than this at&t switch that's for sure and you know i don't know how this will affect your signal issues you know because i i know they took over a lot of the actual equipment too so hopefully um you know the 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 reception that you have presently will be uh, approximately the same but i don't think there's any way to get out of the contract unless there really is a, a drastically uh, documentable signal uh, difference from what you had before so uh unfortunately i think you're basically just sol i think so 17 different states we mentioned most of which are west of the Mississippi. If you're someone who's been affected by this, please let us know. We'd love to hear your story and how you're dealing with this switch. You can get in touch with us uh, through uh, the website. A class action lawsuit's been filed alleging that AT&T and Apple were involved in monopoly practices. That has been certified, meaning that the lawsuit can now officially move forward. The plaintiffs in the case now represent all iPhone buyers in the U.S. The suit was originally filed in 2007 involving all the early termination fee policies and that a customer can't take their iPhone from one carrier to another if they were to leave AT&T. Yeah, they should unlock these phones when you're done with your contract. I mean, they really should. It's your equipment, it's your device. It's a generic SIM slot. Unfortunately, you wouldn't have the data, but that's, uh, you know, Edge is better than nothing. That's right. AT&T customers, you're all involved in this. If you've got an iPhone, this is a, 
a pretty big one here. We'll see if this one goes anywhere, gets any traction. Sprint Nextel has been rebranding it its 800 megahertz spectrum, but only around 55% of all non-border 800 megahertz public safety licenses have finished with the physical rebranding work, according to a filing made recently with the FCC. In that filing, Sprint said that 505 of the 900 non-border 800 megahertz licenses are operating 800 megahertz systems on the new frequencies. The carrier said that 826 of them have linked rebranding agreements and that most but not all of these have been signed rebranding agreements and submitted cost estimates to Sprint. Last year, Sprint said in a filing with the Security and Exchanges Commission that it plans to spend between $3.2 and $3.6 billion to reband the 800 megahertz spectrum it uses for the IDEN network. Wow, an amazing amount of money, Mickey. But uh, yeah, finally, some action we've finally seen on the IDEN side. We, we've been, you know, this has been coming for years that they were supposed to vacate some of those frequencies. And, and of course, our Sprint and uh, our regular CDMA Sprint services on 1900. Right, exactly. So this is a, an effective, uh, an issue affecting only IDEN customers. Uh, realistically, we'll see, you know, as more people leave Nextel, what they decide to do with this. Although carriers like Boost Mobile that are using the network for their prepaid services are definitely gaining traction. A lot more people going to the prepaid services these days. So not like it's going away anytime soon. T-Mobile this week announced a new family plan offering 3,000 minutes to be shared among multiple account lines. The Even More for Family Talk 3000 plan starts at $100 a month for two lines and adds on $5 for each additional line. Now compare this to the Even More for Family Unlimited plan, which is $100 for two lines and $40 for each additional line. This can definitely save you some money if you're not going through more than 3000 minutes a month with the phones in your house. Take a look at this one to save yourself a few dollars if you're on T-Mobile. A spokesperson for Deutsche Telekom told Light Reading that an HTC-built Android phone capable of HSPA Plus speeds would be launching in September for T-Mobile USA. This will be followed by another device in the fourth quarter sometime before the holidays, and Gadget has been told that the first device will actually be the leaked HTC Vision QWERTY slider. We'll see what happens with that one if uh, T-Mobile can get themselves out an HSPA Plus phone. Also on the rumor mill, T-Mobile is uh, launching a HSPA Plus uh, network up to 42 megabits per second next year, if you believe the rumors. According to the blog Timo News, the nation's number four carrier plans to double the peak download speeds up to 42 megabits per second. Now, these are theoretical speeds, real world speeds. We'll probably see something down in the neighborhood of what, maybe 15 to 20 megs per second. But that's a pretty big, big speed increase if you want to talk about what's out there today. Boy, that's huge, Mickey. I mean, they could call themselves 5G with this kind of speed. Um, you know, and I, I guess, uh, you know, what we've talked about before, Mickey, is that, you know, they were very late to the 3G game. But what happened is they were able to buy equipment that was very modern 3G equipment, which is field upgradable to, you know, more advanced software and more advanced technologies using the equipment that's already up on the tower. And look at the advantages they have of that equipment right now seeing that they can do these upgrades probably for very minimal cost compared to going up and having to actually install brand new radios. And uh, this, uh, the, I think their gamble at coming late to the game could be paying off here. I think so. If they can, if they can do this, if they can roll it out, you know, they're currently available at the HSPA networks in 25 markets. If they can get it out to the top 100 markets like they're talking about, 
they're really going to be the, the, the leader as far as speeds on wireless data. And uh, good news, though, if you're a T-Mobile customer and you've got some of this equipment, because, boy, is it fast. 3UK announcing the one plan earlier this week, stating that it would not be using the term unlimited, though, unless it's really carrying an unlimited amount of data or minutes. The one plan gives you 2,000 or 5,000 minutes between up to three UK phones, plus 5,000 SMS messages and one gig of data for plans starting as low as 25 pounds a month, depending on the handset 3UK. Uh, I think the number three or number four carrier in the UK. Thanks to our first sponsor, Netflix. Help support the cell phone junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans start at $4.99 per month. Up to 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want. No late fees ever. Free shipping both ways. Free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time. And as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial of Netflix. Well, I still have my Sopranos DVDs. I'm pushing through season, I think it's three right now. So still rolling through some of those. Uh, I haven't watched any movies recently. I'm still trying to decide on what my, uh, what my next movie is going to be here uh, as far as the one that I want to watch. I, I've got a couple in the queue that uh, I think are pretty, pretty classic ones that I've never seen. Obviously, this is going to come as no surprise. I've, I've never seen the Sopranos shows. I've also never seen the Godfather show uh, movies. So I've got the Godfather movies in my queue right now, uh, right at the top. So we'll see if, if those happen to be the next ones that I get or if I go with something else. But uh, some, great, uh, some great ones coming up here. I think I'm really excited to, uh, to watch all the stuff that Netflix sends me each and every week. Last night for just some light uh, TV watching, I pulled up the the instant streaming and watched a, a cold case file from A&E. There's a lot of uh, documentary and TV channel shows on netflix that i enjoy watching like history channel shows and discovery channel shows and this week i wasn't feeling that great so i had a little time and i was watching some deadliest catch on the instant streaming as well i it's the same thing over and over again mickey but for some reason i'm just (laughs) riveted to that show that that that, uh it's just an it's an amazing uh show how they do it and and you know it, it is it's awfully dramatic but in that kind of job, I, it would just have to be. It's uh, it's just an amazing, uh, amazing profession those guys are in. Yeah, I, I do like the deadliest catch too. And uh, you know, an interesting thing, totally unrelated to anything, but I still find this kind of neat. You were telling me at one time, Mike Rowe, who does the voiceovers for the show, also the host of Dirty Jobs, actually records the audio remotely. Uh, which Absolutely. I thought was kind of interesting. Yep, yep. He does it basically while he's on location or wherever he's at, and he just emails the you know the the transcripts in to them because he's got the portable recording equipment. Uh, as we know, everything's so small now, and he can just record it onto little you know digital electronic hard drives, and he can uh, email those files to them, and they mix it in. Yeah, very cool. I thought that was a, a real fun fact to know. So there you go. If you're a deadliest catch watcher or uh, just a fan of Mike Rowe, either way, still I thought it was a pretty neat way to go. Let's uh, also talk one real quick about one real quick thing here. Netflix uh, starting to stream previously pay TV only movies. Netflix launched a deal with Relativity Media to expand its range of movies. The agreement now lets it get major movies for internet streaming that would ordinarily be only deals to play on pay TV networks like HBO, Showtime, and Stars. Some of the first movies to bear uh, on the Netflix system will include The Fighter, which goes into theaters later this year, but will be on Netflix Watch instantly in early 2011. Nicolas Cage's Season of the Witch is due in a similar time frame. Rel- uh, Relativity has also been responsible for recent movies such as Robin Hood and Get Him to the Greek, but their timing on Netflix wasn't discussed. I don't know. I, I don't watch a whole lot of uh, you know 
premium movies. I don't have any of the premium channels, so I, I, I don't know if this is going to do anything for me. But I guess uh, since I've gotten a, uh, a Netflix account, I could watch them now. Well, exactly. And, uh, you know, Netflix is just, I think they've just done an amazing job of adding movies, um, you know, with the stars deal and, and adding TV shows and things that are more current and, and more popular than they did. Like when I got the Roku, what was it, about a year and a half ago, two years mm-hmm. ago, they've just, they've added so much for the instant streaming that uh, I, I'm just amazed. Yeah, very good news. I, I think it's just they they keep adding value to your your subscription. Um, they're not raising prices, and and they're getting more customers, and their service is still the same. It's just it's a great way to go. Like I said, if you're if you're a, a fan of the show and you want to help us out, you can get a free trial of Netflix. So, uh, the dot com link on the right side. Just click on it and uh, sign up for an account, and you'll help us out uh, by getting uh, a Netflix account. And honestly, Mickey, I'm, it's not even that they're a sponsor that I uh, recommend them because it is something that it's just it's great to go because it's really something you can basically drop your cable TV and just save so much money. I agree. I watch more Netflix these days than I, th- I think I do cable TV anymore. I, I watch network stuff, you know, fairly regularly. I, I do enjoy the, the daily news and stuff like that. But uh, well, I shouldn't say enjoy, <laughs> but I watch the daily news. <laughs> to get all the information about what's going on in the world. Anyway, let's move on here into some devices here. If you've got an iPhone 4 and an iPad 3G, you don't have to pay AT&T twice to access the internet. You can use the iPhone 4 micro SIM as long as you follow these steps. Put the iPhone 4 micro SIM into your iPad 3G. And one quick caveat to that, make sure you keep the SIM trays separate. They are actually mirror images of one another, so you could get those confused. So take take that with a grain of salt if you're switching around your SIM cards. Then go into Preferences, Cellular Data, and change the APN settings on your iPad 3G to the ones listed. Uh, and I'll put a link in the site on how to uh, on the site on how to do that. And then you can just surf uh, with uh, over 3G and your iPad without having to have another AT&T plan. Though it does sound like once you pull out the SIM and put in your uh, your iPad 3G SIM back into the device, the APN settings do revert back to the ones that were set with the SIM that came with the iPad. So you do have to deal with that. But uh, I guess if you just kept the SIM out of the device, you would never have to uh, switch this around. But Little tiny pieces. I can just see, you know, sitting on a train or on a plane or something like that as you're like switching around the Sims and, you know, one of them drops and it's just just hard to deal with. But you could do it if you wanted. Obviously, if you have an iPhone 4, you're hardly going to to want to do this and grab your iPad to switch. You know, this would be kind of like one of those uh, uh, emergency situations or if your battery is completely dead or if you're if you're. you know, you for some reason you have to grab your iPad and use data on it for an occasional use kind of thing. Yeah, it, it may not be something you're doing every day, but if you do decide to purchase the iPad 3G and don't want to go ahead and sign up for a thirty dollar, fifteen dollar a month plan, then uh, well, I guess it's twenty five bucks a month now. But anyway, another another story altogether. But uh, you could do this; it does work. Just some quick changes to the APN settings, and you're off and running. Well, looking to get a WebOS device, you don't have to pay for it. HP is now offering both the Pre and Pixie Plus on either Verizon or AT&T when purchasing through the HP Web Store. The Sprint versions still cost one hundred dollars for the Pre and twenty dollars for the Pixie. Though uh, Sprint versions uh, or the software update for Version 1.4.5 is now available for download through the Palm support site. The minor update also improves the security, better text entry, and a few bug fixes. So good news there if you want to pick yourself up a WebOS device. 
You know, actually, I did see some WebOSs. I saw the the Pixie Plus and the uh, Pre Plus uh, at a Verizon store this last weekend, and you know, the interface is freaking gorgeous on those <laughs> things, Mickey. I I yeah. really do like them, and the the Pixie Plus is a major improvement uh, with its uh, upgraded speed compared to the Sprint version. I'm really really surprised that Sprint didn't get the the Plus versions now that they've been out on all the other carriers now that's a that's just really bad news that they that you know palm is allowing that to happen where they've got the plus versions out on the other carriers and not on sprint i think there's there, there's some merit to you know getting a device with web os i don't know ultimately how long this is going to last or how many devices they're going to be able to get it out to i really hope hp can help them get some new hardware out there that's that that looks new and is innovative and refreshing and stuff like that because it, it is a, a really, really fun OS to use. I'll, I'll give it that. It is. And I still like the uh, Pixie form factor way better than the Priest form factor. And it's, it's a nice, nicely designed phone. It is. Absolutely. The FCC releasing documents this week showing off the next generation of the BlackBerry Curve. The 9300 is shown having a CDMA radio, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and AWS for carriers such as Cricket and MetroPCS. The device appears to be a replacement for the 8500 series of devices. Android Central had a story this week about an unreleased HTC device that could be the HTC Vision. Similar to a device that's already passed the FCC, the available photos show the device having a 3.7-inch touchscreen, 1 gigahertz processor, 1.2 gigabytes of storage, Android 2.1, full QWERTY slide-out keyboard, optical trackpad, and a SIM card. We'll see what happens with that one, possibly the HTC Vision. LG announcing its or launching its Optimus brand while most of America was taking the day off Monday in celebration of Independence Day. LG announced the Optimus brand. Ten new Android devices and one tablet will fall under the brand. It will feature Android 2.2. The Optimus One will be the first handset line and will come to the market with the following specs. We'll have an OMAP 3630 processor, 3.8-inch display, HD camera, and HDMI slash DNLA support. Also planned is the Optimus Chic, an entry-level device which features style over function of the Optimus devices projected for release. They're mostly going to be in the second half of this year. Google's CEO came out this week stating that the Nexus One was a one-off project to spur Android and that there would likely be no successor. He stated that the device was a success and didn't need to do a second version. I heard this story and I thought to myself, you know, I think this is more of a, you know, just kind of putting themselves out there saying, we came out with a device and we were, quote, happy with the device. And I think happy means we sold enough of these things to break even and we're not going to do this again because it didn't really work out all that well for us. So there you go. CEO of Google saying there will be no Nexus sequel. Yeah, that's unfortunate because there is a there's the advantage that we talked about on one of the Unlock shows, Mickey, with Michael Mana, how the Nexus One is an unbranded device, so you don't have carrier customizations on it. So it's a it's a clean Android device. It's Android in its native state without um, uh, front ends on it, like uh, what Sense UI or the what's the uh, Moto Blur that's on the the Motorola versions of Android. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a clean, straight up raw android phone as it's supposed to be when that's and that's where we're really the the, the customer's very uh, losing out and not having this option going forward i don't think that the nexus is a bad device still by any means i mean it's six months old but it's still got specs that compete with some of the phones that have coming you know come out over the last couple of months um the iphone 4 as an example has pretty much uh side by side the same specs 
as the Android uh, Nexus One, the Google Nexus One. Um, you know, you're you're getting some things that are inching their way up there, but we're still the one gigahertz processor is the level at which we're seeing all Android devices manufactured with. And uh, I just I think it's a good device still going forward. You can still go to google.com slash phone and pick one up if you're looking to do so. You can either get it on T-Mobile or AT&T. Obviously, they decided not to do the CDMA versions of it, but it's a good device. I, I, I'm pretty excited still that it's available. Uh, I still keep looking at that page saying, hmm, maybe I should get another one, get one that works on AT&T now that it's out. But I don't know. I, I was seriously was waiting for the sequel to come out. And now that it's not, it's got me thinking about it. So... We'll see. I gotta gotta make a decision here at some point in the next ten days. Like I said, with the primary device that I'm using on the GSM side, Samsung and Sprint announced the Samsung Intercept, a new Android phone coming through their network. It's essentially a replacement of the Samsung Moment, so you can call it the Samsung Moment Two if you'd like. Although Sprint's calling it the Intercept, it's got the slide-out full QWERTY keyboard and will run Android 2.1. The 3.2-inch touchscreen on the front comes with a 3.2-megapixel camera on the back. Optical joystick help joystick helps you navigate the menus. The specs are similar to the Moment and supports uh, supporting of the screen size, camera sensor, and optical joystick. Though it uh, will run on the EVDO. Uh, Rev A specification. Uh, the intercept is smaller than the moment, and the screen has a few more pixels. Samsung is releasing a the excuse me Samsung Epic Four a little bit later this year. The device is available starting today, two hundred dollars with a contract agreement. Though there's a one hundred dollar mail-in rebate that comes with the phone. This really brings up uh, you know the issue of you know is there room in the market for two different devices that are essentially the same in form factor but do ha- that do have different specifications? One's three G one's 4G, uh, one's going to have a better camera, one's going to have a little bit more uh, processor speed and stuff like that. Um, I still think that there's room because people are not willing to spend over $100 for a smartphone, and that's what Samsung is doing here with the Intercept. Yeah, and I, I agree with you fully, Mickey. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a good thing to have, and I think it's a good thing um, for those that are interested uh, in picking up a device where they're not spending quite as much money uh, that this would work well for them. So anyway, th- take the check out this one, the Samsung Intercept on Sprint. AT&T announcing the Samsung Galaxy S Captivate will be on sale the 18th of July. That's next weekend. $200. No rebate required to get that $200 price point, though of course a new two-year contract will be mandatory. T-Mobile and Motorola officially announcing their latest handset this Wednesday, the Motorola Charm. The front-facing QWERTY Android 2.1 powered device has the following specs. 2.8-inch TFT touchscreen display with Gorilla Glass. Dual band WCDMA and quad band edge, three megapixel fixed focus camera with digital zoom, video playback and capture at 24 frames per second, 1170 milliamp hour battery, Bluetooth 2.0, Wi Fi B, G, and N, GPS, two gigabyte micro SD card included with support of up to 32 gigs, as well as an accelerometer, proximity, and ambient light sensor. So, Mickey, this device, uh, I'm really interested in this device. It's a very different form factor than, than all the Android devices we've basically seen up to this point, I believe. It's a, it's a BlackBerry-style, Motorola Q-style uh, device. It's got a full front-facing QWERTY keyboard on it in a portrait-style uh, device with a, with a portrait. St- uh, it's a landscape screen orientation, so it's wider than it is taller. And it's a touchscreen. But then on top of this, there's a touchscreen in the back uh, so you can actually manipulate 
uh, what you're seeing on the screen from behind the phone. And to, for me, for a smaller screen like this, that'd be great because then you don't cover nearly as much with your finger while you're trying to do navigation on there. So I like this form factor that it's different. Um, it'll really appeal to the, the BlackBerry crowd because that's the style that this is in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think they've done a great job with putting together a device that comes with the form factor that many people have wanted. Uh, I like a front-facing QWERTY as much as you do. It's great. Yeah, this is a, it's a really neat. Uh, I think they could have probably upped the screen resolution a little bit. But uh, other than that, I think this, uh, I hope this phone does well because it's nice to see a, a totally different form factor out there. Okay, well, it's, uh, I, I think moving forward, we're going to see more devices with form factors like this because it makes, uh, you know, it, it fills a need for many people. And, and I like it. So we'll see what, uh, what else comes out with that one. The FCC's website revealed details about an unannounced Motorola Android device. The Motorola MB710 closely resembles the Moto Roy, which began shipping in other markets in February of this year. The FCC documents show that it supports WCDMA 1700 AWS, which earmarks the device for T-Mobile's network. The user manual makes mention of T-Mobile's specific services, such as MyFaves. Other features mentioned include Moto Blur, 3.5mm headset jack, Wi-Fi, GPS, Bluetooth, and micro SD support. The Moto Roy will be launched with Android 2.0 and 3.7-inch 480 by 854 pixel touch display, though the MB710 may not necessarily have those same specs. Neither Motorola or T-Mobile have confirmed or announced the device. The FCC has approved an updated version of the Verizon Network Extender expected to launch sometime in the second quarter. The update adds 3G data and will support up to eight simultaneous connections. Following the lead of the Sprint Next of Sprint Nextel, Time Warner Cable launched a personal hotspot device called Intelligo, allowing customers to connect up to five Wi-Fi devices simultaneously using Clearwire's WiMAX network or Sprint's nationwide 3G network. The device, which is made by Sierra Wireless, is identical to the OverDrive personal hotspot offered by Sprint and will be sold by Time Warner for $50 after a $50 mail-in rebate on a two-year contract. Software news in a moment, but first, another way you can support the cell phone junkie. You enjoyed this show, so help us out by subscribing to TCPJ Unlocked, our bi monthly premium podcast. For only $5 a month or $45 a year, you can keep this show coming to you each and every week. Sign up is easy, just visit thecellphonejunkie.com, click the link on the right for TCPJ Unlocked, then click on subscribe to premium content and follow the instructions to get signed up. Thank you to everyone who is a TCPJ Unlocked subscriber. Well, this week on the Unlock show, we talked about how 2010 is half over and the smartphone battle is raging on. If you're thinking about getting your first or changing up your existing smartphone, we broke down the latest on what's out there right now. We went through every single carrier, every single uh, manufacturer, and talked about each device that's out there and tried to help break down what would be the best device out there for you to get. It really is a, a personal decision when it comes to the, the quality of the device that you're getting and also the operating system and many other factors as well. Uh, but it's a great show. We talked uh, for uh, at very much at length about how you know Android is really t- gaining traction and uh, really starting to to move on and, and do some different things. Smartphones are, are really the way that people are going. As we talked earlier in the show, we've got about 50 million smartphone subscribers here in the U.S. So listen to that show if you're a subscriber. And of course, if you're not, head over to TCPJ Unlocked and click on that link. Subscribe to premium content on the right side of the page. 
Software news. The U.S. government unveiling a new website found at apps.usa.gov and has links to 18 governmental applications, including the TSA, NASA, and the White House. The apps are primarily geared towards the iOS, but most uh, with links to the iTunes store. However, there are some web-based applications as well as those for Android and BlackBerry versions available as well. The official Twitter for BlackBerry application is no longer in beta and can be downloaded from BlackBerry's app world. The application is free for all users. BMW announced on Wednesday that it would support the most obscure and overlooked new feature in Apple's iOS 4, iPod Out. This feature allows for the connected iPhone 3G, 3GS, 4, or iPod Touch to output and display the iPod interface on the connected device's external screen. The device, in this case, would be a a future BMW or mini vehicle. The benefit of using the iPod Out connection is that it allows for the interface to change and grow with the connected iPhone or iPod. If Apple adds, changes, or removes an iPod feature in the next revision, the connected BMW or Mini would immediately be able to reflect the change. Yeah, and this is a great feature. This is the way every vehicle should have been having an iPod interface, Mickey, because as you know, when iPods changed, like your last vehicle had an iPod integration, but it never, it, it, it didn't work that well. It, it kind of was, it, it, you know, you just, you don't have access to the features that uh, your iPod gains with new firmware updates. So um, I'm sure pretty much every manuf- car manufacturer is going to be going this route uh, pretty soon. And it's, I know the minis coming next year, um, are going to have this uh, integrated, uh, I can't remember what their new mod, uh, name for it is, it's like Mini Connect or something where it's going to have a, it's not going to have the navigation screen, but for the lower model that doesn't have the navigation screen, it's going to have a big, big screen in the car that you can then control your iPod with and do a lot of uh, emailing and other sort of advanced smartphone options with your iPhone. I, I like this idea. I mean, I, I like the interface of the iPod. It, it's very simple, and I wouldn't say all that feature-rich, but it, it has everything that I need in it. And um, so I, I would definitely be for this, and you know, it'd be nice to see you know, some tests of this, especially uh, at uh, the dealerships or whatever. So anyway, kind of a neat thing, though, though that BMW is doing. YouTube announcing a major refresh of its website, specifically for mobile devices this week. According to them, the site will perform much faster than the original. It will also boast a new user interface with larger on-screen buttons that are easier to use on touch-based devices. YouTube Mobile adds a number of features on the desktop version, including search query suggestions, playlist creation, as well as marking videos as favorites. YouTube said that moving forward, new features introduced on the desktop version will be pushed to the mobile version much quicker. The new version of YouTube is available in English only and works and will work on the iPhone and Android platforms. Research in Motion today announced the availability of the BlackBerry Enterprise Server 5.0.2. The latest enterprise software from RIM offers a handful of new features for BlackBerry users. Relevant features to end users include the capability to allow IT administrators to remotely remove only the corporate data from an employee-owned BlackBerry while leaving personal data and apps untouched. It includes a new self-servicing feature that will let end users log into BlackBerry's web desktop manager and remotely lock the device or reset their password. BlackBerry Desktop Manager now supports more browsers, including Google Chrome 4.0, Internet Explorer 8, Mozilla Firefox 3.6, and Safari 4. Lastly, Bez 5.0.2 includes a single sign-on, which lets both end users and admins sign on to the BlackBerry service once and gain access to the BlackBerry Web Desktop Manager and BlackBerry Administration service without having to re-enter usernames and passwords. Very nice features on updates for the Bez. 
Skype recently releasing version 1.1 of the Skype application for the Symbian platform. The main improvements of the version for Skype is that it uh, gives Symbian handsets a large reduction in the size of the application itself. All About Symbian reports that the application is down to 10 megs. Version 1.1 allows multiple instant messaging conversations, voice calls via VoIP, photo and video messaging, and group chatting. The application is compatible with most S63 and 5th edition devices, as well as a handful of Sony Ericsson Symbian devices as well. Fring adding video video calling to its iPhone application. Apple's FaceTime had been the only video calling service on the iPhone 4 since the launch, but Fring wants to change that. The new version of the app brings face-to-face video calls uh, with their friends using the Fring service to Droid, Nokia, and other iPhones. Video calls over 3G and Wi-Fi are also functioning now, as well as support for multitasking, allowing the app to stay running in the background while you do other tasks on the device. It's a free download, and uh, signing up for a Fring account is also free. However, Friday afternoon, Fring posted in the forums that uh, its video calling service for the iPhone 4 had been so wildly successful that they've been forced to temporarily restrict Skype access to free up capacity. This Fring to Fring calling, though, is uh, coming and uh, or is available now. The service, though, for Skype will be coming at a later date. Telenav announced this week another U.S. carrier that will be using its mapping services. U.S. Cellular is now offering Telenav's Your Navigator Deluxe, providing all the features you'd expect from a modern navigation app, including 3D GPS navigation, a large point-of-interest database, business searching, and traffic alerts. The app supports speech recognition and is available for free to U.S. Cellular customers with a data plan. No monthly subscription is required. Telenav software also powers AT&T's Navigator and Sprint Navigation and can be found on T-Mobile devices. Well, questions and comments this week. First one is a comment from Joseph. He, He says, Just heard your most recent program for the Cell Phone Junkie. I heard a question from Darius. I have a history with landline to cellular gateways. I still have a device called the Cell Socket, which I believe has gone out of business. That device was specially meant for the Nokia 6310i and had a special dock that you put your cell phone in and you could either dial out as normal, adding a pound at the end of your dial string to make the cell phone dial the call. I've since upgraded phones and found the device called the X-Link, which is a Bluetooth to cellular gateway. It was $80 through Amazon. Very simple to install. Just plug it in to the power supply, attach a phone cord, and from a your wired or cordless phone, pair the device in your phone and you're up and running in about five minutes. You can use it with three different cell phones. It's a good feature for those people who have a whole house and don't wish to keep their cell phone with them all the time. I just attached it to my house wiring and disconnected from my telco. It's easier to talk and ex- uh, for extended periods of time on regular phones rather than a cell phone for me at least. Uh, but then again, you have to decide what's convenient for you. You and Joey said you always prefer to keep your phones with you all the time. I don't or wouldn't in the shower where I have one of my wired phones and also on my bedside. You know, Joey, I I don't have a phone in my shower i don't bring a phone into the shower either so i i, I don't uh, i don't guess have it with me all the time though i see what his point is with that no and sometimes you know mickey it's really nice to actually have a wired phone because you know where it is at all times i mean True. it doesn't move on you so if you've got your phone you you come home and you, you hit it on the charger and it's connected via bluetooth sitting right next to the the space station you've got then your house of established wired phones that are hanging on the wall conveniently to use 
Yeah, absolutely. There, there are certain, you know, great benefits of using a home phone, um, you know, or at least a wired phone, I guess I should say. And there are some other great options, it, it appears. And thanks to Joseph for sending those in. I'm going to put a link in the show notes here to the X link so that you can check that one out if you're interested in doing as Joseph does. Next is a comment from Adam. He says, guys, just uh, finished listening to the Unlock show. A few quick comments about your Palm, about Palm WebOS. It's just WebOS, not the WebOS. Just like you would say uh, the Android or the iOS. You wouldn't say the WebOS. This is a big pet peeve for the WebOS community. Uh, web, excuse me. You mentioned that the price of the AT&T Pre Plus was $149. Well, the price from AT&T is actually now free. Yes, we did uh, mention that one on this show as well. Also, it comes with a whole lot of freebies now. You can get the Renegade Mini Bluetooth heads, headset, a $50 value, as well as the Axiom Premium Genuine Leather Case, a $30 value, and a premium in-vehicle charger, another $20 value. Thanks again for your podcasts, Adam. Well, Adam, thank you very much. I guess that's a good point. Uh, we should just make sure that we don't say that into the future. For whatever reason, it just kind of felt right to call it the WebOS, but we won't do that moving forward. It is because it's the WebOS operating system. But it's isn't it the web operating system then the web OS? No, I don't no? believe I, I don't believe it would be. Okay, well, we'll we'll, we'll do what we can. Obviously, we we try and uh, try and use the correct vernacular with all of them. So thanks uh, for the update, Adam, on that one. Comment from Xphones07. He says, just a quick note: the Samsung Vibrant for T-Mobile will launch on July fifteenth. Maybe they want to go up head to head against the Droid X. Well, yeah, it certainly does look like that, doesn't it? Samsung uh, trying to do what they can to get the variants of the Galaxy S out uh, to all the carriers here. Although uh, the version that's coming to Verizon, uh, I think, is coming sometime here in July as well. So we'll see what happens with that. But if you're on T-Mobile and you want to pick up a new an- Android device this week, you can do so. It looks like on the 15th. Next is a question from Ryan. He says, I recorded a video last night that was a little over a minute and 40 seconds. I tried to email it to myself because I wanted to preserve the HD quality as recorded by my iPhone 4. I, it aired out telling me that it was way too long to email. I posted it to YouTube instead. It looks horrible. Is there any other way to get the video off the phone? It would be terrible if our video was limited to 30 to 40 second chunks. Well, first off, Ryan, yeah, this is a, a known issue with the iPhone 4 and YouTube at this point is that when you're emailing the, or I, sh- I should say sending the video up to YouTube, it's actually not taking the full HD quality of the video and posting it to the site. It's downsampling it to probably 480 or something like that. So you're not getting the full 720 uh, uh you know, quality of the of, of the movie. So there are two ways to get this off. You can um, you can either if you're on a Mac, you can use iMovie. This is how I get all the videos off. Or you can go to the image capture uh, for the PC. That's another way to do it. I've done that actually when I'm using a PC as well. Yeah, and emailing, you know, you're never going to get large file attached with, with with email. It's just not designed for that. Uh, services like you know Gmail and Hotmail, I think they're limited to 10 megabytes, and that yeah, that's in a very small clip in HD. Um, and email just does not work good for moving large files. So using a different sort of service, maybe like uh, Dropbox or, or um, you send it or something would be a way to do it as well. I'm trying to decide how, because that, that's one way that I thought of doing it too. How would you get it over to Dropbox from your, from your device? You probably can't because yeah. uh, the way the iPhone OS is, you, you don't really have very good access to the operating system or file system, I mean, uh, at this point. There's there's still some limitations with it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is definitely not a, a perfect uh, you know perfect solution here. But uh, I'm found myself you know okay with doing what I need to do in just email or 
connecting to my computer and, and being able to then connect, um, you know, and pull off movies that way. It seems to work the best. You get the highest quality that way as well. Uh, so that's what I'd recommend. And uh, Ryan and I had been going back and forth a little bit too. He actually did pull off a video, posted it to YouTube, and uh, it, it looked pretty good. So uh, that's that's how you do that. So anyway, but for those that were looking on how to do that, iMovie on the Mac or Image Capture on the PC are two good ways to do that. Next is a question from Balraj. He says, Dear Mickey and Joey, I wondered if you could help me with a problem that I'm having at the moment. I'm having the issue with the Android phone making, excuse me, marking all of my emails as read. For the moment, I don't have a master PC and I've been accessing my email only through my webmail interface with spamarrest.com. It works fine as there are virtually unlimited storage capacities available to me. My Android phone is the Motorola Backflip running version 1.5 of the Android OS. I use the Motorola Blur Happenings widget on the screen to quickly flick through all the incoming emails and only read the ones that I'm interested in right away and and add the rest later when I'm at a PC. My issue is that every email that I flick through on the Happenings widget is being marked as read on the email server so that I access webmail. When I access webmail on the PC, I'm finding difficult to figure out which emails need to be read and responded to as they are all marked as read. I understand that there are many workarounds that I could do and that I am, have been doing them thus far, but I feel that there must be something that I can do on the phone uh, with my webmail settings that will not mark them all as read unless they are actually read. It's become more urgent now as I have missed a certain reply by deadlines. Well, I look at this, I don't have an Android 1.5 device to actually physically replicate this issue, but I look at this from the server side, from the email side, and and how this is actually functioning. Um, It sounds like the interface is using pop three to pull all of your emails and then maybe marking them red as soon as they make it to your device. Now, I, I can't verify that for sure, like I said, because I don't have one, but maybe you can. Are the emails, once they're hitting your device, if you're not flicking through them, still showing up as red through the web interface once they've been downloaded to the device? If not, that appears to be what the issue is. And then I would say, take a look and see if IMAP is an option for you. That, that was my thought on it. Yeah, that's about the only thing I can think of too. Yeah, it's definitely coming, you know, with the communication between the the, the phone and the server itself because POP3 is extremely limited what it can handle and it's basically just good for pulling email. Um, if it's IMAP, um, if you can mark it back as unread on the phone, that'd be good. Uh, that may send the changes, but it may not. It's, it's kind of sketchy even still. So uh, there may not be a solution. There may not be a setting. There may not be a choice for this, unfortunately. I think it's more of just a, obviously a preview type thing. And so when you're flicking through them, um, that particular application that you're using, the, the happenings widget is going to um, mark it, I guess, as red when you, when you look at it so that it doesn't show up with an indicator on the device showing that you still have unread messages. And because of that, it may be sending the command back if it is, in fact, using IMAP. And in that case, um, maybe it's, can you just log into the email and then uh, on the device and remark them as red? Um, it's, it sounds like just the, the way that the protocol is handling it um, may be the issue with it. And uh, the other option, I guess, would be if it, using IMAP, maybe you can check back with POP and maybe see if POP can then mark, keep it marked as unread. Although, Joey, correct me if I'm wrong, that maybe, that's not a, maybe that's not even an option when you have POP because you said it is pretty limited. Yeah, I don't think that has that choice. Mm. Well, anyway, um, let us know what you, playing with some of those settings, if that you know, what you find out with that. Cause I want to, I want to make sure we re-mention it on the show once we figure this out. 
Yeah, and it may be, uh, it could also be something in a, on your server side. You know, if it's Gmail, I don't know if they have that option, but some servers have an option where it, it won't mark an item as red if it's been retrieved via POP3. So it's, it yeah, it's, it, it's a very, uh, it may not be real easy to figure out if it's even possible. Gotcha. Yeah, well, hopefully we can, we can get this done here. So please email me back, let me know what happens with this and what you decide to do, and, and hopefully we can get a fix for you with this. And finally, we have a voicemail from Mel. Hey, guys, it's Mel from the Midwest with another cell phone question. I've had a trio, Palm Trio, for a long time, loved it, never had this problem. Now I have a Touch Pro 2 and an Evo. And I'm actually on a trip, and I live in the central time zone, and I'm in the eastern time zone. And a little while ago, I looked at the phone and said, hmm, I thought my flight was at 6.30. Uh, this is in a calendar entry, but it, my phone says it's 7.30, and it turns out that the calendar updates on both of those devices the time to the time zone that you're in. Well, I'm sure you realize that doesn't work for a cell phone. I really like the clock on the phone to update because you know that way I know what time it is where I'm at. And, but in either of those devices, they're adding setting that will keep the calendar entries from changing, uh, but allow the clock to uh, update to system time where you are. Um, this actually, you know, happened on my Trio 800W also, but I just sort of ignored it. But uh, I just figured I'd see if you have a way to help me get around that problem. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks for the voicemail, Mel. Great to hear from you as always. You know, this one has been a, a topic that we've talked about in the past on the show. And uh, I'll just say is the, you know, the, the, the question for the ages is how does the calendar know or how does it update when you travel from time zone to time zone? And how do you know when to enter a particular event? This one is, is hard. I understand it and I'll explain it to you as I understand it. The short answer for your question, though, is no. The calendar entries will likely change unless you... The only way I can see this is not changing for you is if you are actually taking the time to not change the time zone when you travel. When you move on from one time zone to another, the phone itself wants to make sure that it keeps up with all those appointments because an appointment in your calendar is in the calendar at the time that it's happening and you have to think of it as the time that's happening in the world. So moving from one time zone to another here in the U.S., sometimes you can get a little confused with it. But think about setting the time zone if you were traveling, say, to Europe. Um, if you have a flight that leaves here in the U.S., say, at noon, and lands in Europe at, uh, well, I don't know, how long is that, eight hours? So you'll say 8 a.m. or 8 p.m., you're... Your phone is not going to show your flight as landing at 8 p.m. It's going to show it as landing at 8 p.m. plus the time change, which is eight hours. So what, 4 a.m.? So your the actual appointment itself is going to get uh, it's going to get stretched out if it were to actually show it as the time or shrunk down if it, the actual time at that place you were at. So I always think about when I'm putting an appointment into my calendar. I think about it as the time zone that I'm in. And if you are thinking about it in the time zone um, that you're in at that particular time, you should be okay. 
um, that may or may not make sense. Um, but hopefully, hopefully you can, that'll make sense to you. There are some programs, uh, some operating systems. Blackberry is one where you can set the time zone when you're setting the appointment, which is definitely helpful, but I know that's not an issue or not an option on, uh, on, uh, windows mobile or Android. Wow. Well, um, windows mobile, I would think there'd be some third party applications you could yes. use for that. Um, I know I could easily do that with my date book six on my Palm OS, uh, the calendar that I used for that. It was very nice because it had un it, it, to, to get to this issue that he's got here. I, I would use a thing called uh, all time zones uh, where it would basically just fix it in your calendar as he's describing. Uh, that worked out very good for a uh, very particular um, function. I can't, I can't remember an exact example, but I used it fairly frequently, especially when traveling. And during the travel periods, I would put a time down, you know, and, and fix it. So it wouldn't move with the time zones. I'm thinking about your your situation here, where you, you it's it's the flight that you were saying it leaves at six and showing up at seven now. Now, the way that I would think about this is when you enter it, you probably entered it when you were at home, which was Central Time Zone, and you said, "All right, my flight leaves at seven. and uh, so you have to think about that as entering it into the calendar. You're actually leaving at eight, are you not? Beca- or six? See, this is where I get confused. I can't even explain it without getting confused. No, it's not easy. It's definitely a difficult thing. And then you have to be careful when the time changes because things like uh, appointments that are going to Arizona, Mickey, are one hour off, but then all of a sudden they become two hours off. Uh, it, it's just not, it, it's not easy. And of course, remembering that in the future and when that date occurs, it's not easy. Let me try this one more time. You're sitting in the central time zone. Your flight leaves at 7. When you enter it in to your calendar, what time will it be in the central time zone? Think about where you currently are. What time does your flight leave then? Well, it'd be 6, obviously, because you're an hour behind the eastern time zone. So if you take it to the other extreme, you're in Europe. You have a flight that leaves at 8 a.m. Uh, you know, from wherever you are in Europe. It's an 8-hour time difference. So what time is it when you're sitting in the central time zone that your flight leaves? Well, it'd be midnight. So you enter the appointment in at midnight and the appointment lasts for whatever it is, eight hours. It ends at 8 a.m. Then when you get, when you finally land at your destination, you change the time zone back and it will all have synced up because the previous eight hours of your life, you've been on a plane, right? So it's, it, it makes sense if you think about it from a, what time is it in the, in the world when this is happening um, type of perspective, but it, it's really very difficult. Like I said, we've tried to explain this on the show before. It's just never easy. No, it isn't. But uh, having a, a time zone aware um, calendar helps drastically. Absolutely. That, and that's one of the things I love about entering things on the BlackBerry is um, it's, it's easily, you know, you, I'm looking, pulling up a new appointment right now, and I can put in the start and end time and then also uh, the time zone in there. It's currently set at Arizona. When I travel, uh, it changes itself to wherever I am. So that's real nice. And that's just what I was going to mention, Mickey. And on the BlackBerry, it asks you, do you want to, in the, in the time options, uh, do you want to update your time zone based on where you're traveling? The uh, Palm West did that same thing. And that's actually another thing uh, that, that just led me to another thought here. With Windows Mobile, I don't know if that option's available to update the time zone where you're in. If you can turn that feature off, then actually all this issue of the, 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 the voicemail would go away because then the time zone wouldn't change, shoving all the appointments into the wrong time. But the time would update on the phone to be the correct in the time zone you're in, but it wouldn't shove all the appointments to a different hour. But then all of your appointments in the, pa- that in the past are wrong, basically. 
Yeah, but when normally you don't look in the past that much while you're traveling. If you have any questions or comments that we can confuse you about, please let <laughs> us know. You can send us an email, questions at thecellphonejunkie.com, or give us a call, 206-203-3734. You can follow us on Twitter as well. We had some rousing conversations on Twitter this week, twitter.com slash tcpj underscore Mickey, or twitter.com slash tcpj underscore Joey. And to be informed about every time something happens over at the site, follow twitter.com slash cellphonejunkie. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.